Okay, so we're continuing with great Jewish photographs, and there's a uh, very disturbing photograph that we bring on page 232. I call it their greatest threat. And anyone that knows something about the history of uh, the Holocaust and Nazis uh, would probably know that there was a, a very sinister and Russia uh, assistant to uh, Hitler and his name was Goebbels. And Goebbels was the propaganda head of the, uh, of the Nazi regime. He was the person that uh, was responsible for spreading the hatred of Klal Yisrael to the hearts and minds of, uh, of the German people. Not that it really took that much work, because if you know the history of Germany and really the entire Europe, you would know that for a thousand years there was nothing but uh, persecutions of the Jews, um, different uh, expulsions of the Jews from either cities or entire countries, and constant anti-Semitism. We think like the yellow star that marked a Jew to be a Jew was something that was invented by Hitler in the 1930s. But if you look back in history, you find that the yellow star or other symbols of a, of a Jew were very common throughout different periods in Europe, uh, be it in England or in Germany or other places. Uh, this was nothing really new. Uh, the Chiddush the that the Nazis came up with was the ability to, uh, to destroy uh, the entire Jewish people, or so they wanted, uh, in what we call genocide, they literally thought, and they honestly came pretty close to it, that they could destroy every last Jew in the world. They weren't just looking for the Jews in Germany and then in Poland, and then they were going to exterminate every single one, and it was just a matter of time, because as the Nazi war machine was conquering country after country in, in Eastern Europe, and then they were facing uh, their sites to Western Europe, and then um, they were going to go after the United States, of course, eventually. Um, they would have basically, uh, not basically, they would have had designs on killing every last Jew. But in order to uh, really brainwash an entire country of, of citizens that some of them may, may not have been as overtly anti-Semitic as others, you had to basically come up with a, uh, a good plan to, to sort of change the mindset of civilized or presumably civilized citizens to go and start allowing the wholesale murder of, uh, of millions and millions of, of people. So what Goebbels did was he started a, uh, a newspaper early on in the 1930s, uh, and it was called Der Stürmer, which means the voice. And this newspaper was very, very anti-Semitic, to put it mildly. Basically, the point of the newspaper, I don't think it had anything to do with sports or, you know, or, or uh, culture or uh, the news in general. It really was all just there to, uh, to get the people's minds convinced that Jews were subhumans, that Jews were not even worthy, forget about being citizens of the country, they weren't worthy of being alive. And then they put out also documentary movies uh, before you went to any movie theater. 
to see the movie that you came to see, there would be a few minutes of, uh, of footage, and basically the footage was also anti-Jewish propaganda about comparing Jews to rodents, to rats, and how they were dirty and they were despicable and they were trying to bring you know, the economy down and all of the, uh, the, 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 the various anti-Semitic uh, concepts that we have been uh, seeing over and over throughout history, they perfected it, they made it into an art. It's interesting, Rav Gifter writes uh, in his Pirish on the Haggadah, uh, he writes that when it says in the Pasuk, Vayareyu Aysanu HaMitzrim, Vayareyu Aysanu HaMitzrim, Vayanunu, the simple way of understanding that is that the Egyptians were evil to us. But it doesn't really use that diktuk. It's Vayareyu means that they made us evil. Vayareyu Aysanu HaMitzrim is that they demonized the Jew. In other words, to, to, to enslave Klal Yisrael and to permit uh, the, uh, the murder of, uh, of infants, also called infanticide, um, in order to do that, how do you, which people would permit that? So Paro and later Goebbels would do the same thing. He had to make them evil. Once you really can, are convinced that a certain people are evil, it's not such a big stretch to say, okay, if they're evil and they're rodents and they're subhumans and they're bringing down society and they're causing all of us economic hardship and they're cursing our land, it's not so difficult to make the case, okay, so let's get rid of them. But one way or another, either we'll expel them or we'll kill them. And that's what, um, that's what the enemies of our people have done uh, throughout the entire uh, history. Ramesha Scherer um, found that there was a, a memorandum that was released by the Reich Main Security Office on October 25, 1940, to the local Nazi district governors in occupied Poland, instructing them that no exit visas be issued to Jews from Eastern Europe. The reason? those Jews comprised the majority of the rabbis and Talmud teachers. If the Talmud teachers escape, warns the communication, they can bring about the spiritual regeneration of world Jewry, even American Jewry. This was the memorandum. What do we see from the memorandum? That Hitler was not just consumed with destroying the Jewish people. He was consumed in particular with destroying Taira and Yiddishkeit. He didn't care much for Jews in general, maybe, although he wanted them all eradicated, but his main war was really against the, uh, you and me, the people that learn Taira, the people that keep mitzvahs, because we were the ones that were going to uh, spread the Taira, and he looked at the Taira, at the Talmud, at the Gemara, as being his main enemy, his main threat. There's a story that's told about um, Rav Yosef Friedensen. Rav Yosef Friedensen died, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. He, was a, he died an old man. He was an, a Holocaust survivor, a brilliant writer. He was the editor of a Yiddish paper called Das Yiddish Vart, The Jewish Word. And it was completely written in Yiddish. And it was primarily geared, I guess, towards either Hasidim or Holocaust survivors, people that still spoke Yiddish as their main tongue. And he tells over a story that's always chilling to me. Like, I always think about it. Like, one night, 
his father was away. I don't know where his father went, maybe to Night Seder, or maybe he's on a business trip or something. And he was left home alone with his mother. In the middle of the night, there was a bang on his door, and some Nazis come into his home. This is, I believe he lived in Poland, and maybe Galicia. And the Nazis uh, asked where the husband was, and, uh, and said he's not home, he went away, a business trip, whatever, he's not around. Okay, uh, we want to speak to him, tell him that you know, he should come to the local office when he gets home. As they were turning around, one of the Nazis noticed there was a bookcase, a svarim shrank, in the living room, and among other things, there was a leather-bound set of shas, a big, you know, like a chasen shas, like a big set of gemaras. And the Nazis asked young Yosef Friedensen, this little, he was a little boy at the time, you know, what are these? What are these big, you know, impressive-looking volumes, heavy volumes, leather-bound? So innocently, he says that those are the Talmud. That's the Jewish Talmud, of course. And he said, I'll never forget, suddenly there became like a crazed rage in, the Nazi, in this Nazi's eyes. He says, the Talmud? And he starts taking them off the shelf one by one, ripping them apart. And it was not easy to rip apart because they were leather bound, like really, you know, in a really strong binding. And he spent like the next who knows how long taking one shelf, one volume off the shelf after another and tearing it to shreds. And, and with all of his strength, he was like attacking the Talmud. And he says that that really was the, uh, you know, the symbolism of, of what that Nazi did was really uh, more broadly what Hitler was trying to do. Hitler was trying to eradicate the Jewish people, but really he was trying to eradicate the Chachma of the Jewish people, the Torah, the spiritual holy holiness of the Jewish people, which is our Torah. And you know we might not always appreciate the Gemara and like how you know what is how it's relevant to me. If a, if an ox goes and gores uh, somebody else's cow. And you're like rolling your eyes and saying, oh my gosh, why am I spending time learning this? Like, isn't there, there must be something on YouTube that I could watch that's more, you know, educational. But we might not always see the, the wisdom and the holiness in it, but our enemies do. Make no mistakes, the Nazis did fully comprehend what the, what Tereshabal Peh meant, which is really what Hanukkah is all about, but it's not for now. But Hanukkah is really a war against Tereshabal Peh. Hanukkah was the Ivanim who had their great brilliance, their disciplines of the Ivanim, right? Whether it's math and science and, and the physicality of humans and the, the language. Uh, they, they excelled in all these things. Like when you see the Olympics, you know, we're all into the Olympics and you're rooting for your country and gold medals and, and people running around some stadiums and, uh, you know, and, and everybody's rooting for them. That is all rooted in ancient Greece, that big uh, torch that they're carrying and they light, you know, this huge torch. It's all rooted in ancient Greece. That was what they believed and They believed in the beauty of man, his body, the perfection of making man stronger and better and more beautiful, and the beauty of language, the beauty of science, the beauty of music and, and math, all of this. And they looked at the Torah as being, an, as being a threat because this is something that's spiritual in nature. That appeals to the soul. They didn't want to deal with the soul. They wanted to just deal with the body. They looked at the body as being the primary focus of man. So they wanted to sort of 
stamp out any vestiges of Tyre, and that's why they made Gezeris against studying Tyre. But they didn't want to kill us, the Greeks. To their credit, you know, in Purim, we want, they wanted to kill us. Hanukkah, they just wanted to sort of convert us or Hellenize us, make us into Greek-cultured uh, people. But the Nazis really did both. The Nazis didn't only want to kill us, they also wanted to take away our Tyra. And so they had basically Purim and Hanukkah all combined. And they wanted, they, and their war was against uh, B'nai Tyra, against Gemara, against, against Yeshivas, against Svarim. Anything that was Jewish and holy was something that they looked at as their threat. So what I bring here is a prime example of the fixation the Nazis had with the Eastern European rabbis and Talmudists. Der Stürmer, that paper that I was talking to you about, the rabidly anti-Semitic Nazi publication founded by Julius Streicher. I'm sorry, I said before that it was Goebbels. It was a branch of Goebbels' propaganda, but it was actually founded by Streicher, Imach Shemay, ran a photo spread from the Knesia Gedeila in Marienbad in 1937, including photos of the Ger Rebbe being escorted by his Hasidim. And in fact, a lot of the pictures that we have of the Ger Rebbe are ironically from this paper, because, you know, that was, we have pictures, how many cameras were available at the time. They took, the Nazis took pictures, apparently, or they got pictures, and we know of a lot of these pictures only from this paper. The title emblazoned on the top of the page reads, Jewish Gathering in Czechoslovakia. And the Nazis there were revealing their true enemy, those who embody and spread the teachings of the divine terror. So when we think about the, the Holocaust, sometimes we tend to like make it about Nazi versus Jew, which of course it was, but if you really want to go a little bit deeper into understanding the psychology of the Nazi, it wasn't so much the the Torah, it wasn't so much the fact that we were Jewish, that was part of it, but it was specifically the people that observed Torah. That doesn't mean to say that they didn't go after all Jews equally, but that's only because they were afraid that even the quote-unquote assimilated Jews would eventually maybe do tshuva and come back and be Jews. They have to like, but they were really going after the Torah and the mitzvahs. We have speeches of Hitler saying that he's going after the, the Jew who circumcises themselves. And, you know, our knife of bar, our barbarism, and he said that that's our pride. People call us barbarians, and yes, that's what we're proud of. We're proud to be barbarians. It's not an insult to me to call me a barbarian. He, said it's a, he says, we are going to outdo the sword of the Jewish circumcision. So he, he really had his, his eyes focused he knew very much what Yiddishkeit was all about. He understood the Torah, he understood Gemara, he understood, not, he didn't understand the Gemara itself, he understood the concept of Talmud, and he understood mitzvahs, and that's what he was gunning for, quite literally. Uh, and this is the, uh, the photo spread that was in the Sturmer, and I wanted to uh, show it to you today.
Thank you. So let's do one more in the remaining minutes that we have. Okay, this is a great one. I don't think we did this one before. Um, going back uh, to the year 2012, the spring of 2012, uh, you all were probably uh, quite young at the time, I imagine, right? That was uh, 10 years ago. So you're all probably before Bar Mitzvah age, right? Sort of. What? You're Bar Mitzvah. So um, you also are you? Soon. So that year, there was something called uh, the Asifa. The Asifa was a, uh, it was a, an amazing uh, gathering uh, in City Field, right here in, in Queens, where the, where the Mets play, um, of 40,000 Jewish men. And what was this Asifa, what was this gathering for? It wasn't a CMHS. Wasn't a musical concert, so what were, what were people gathering for? So this was started. This was the brainchild of the Mashkiach Ruchani of Beis Medish Gavaya in Lakewood, Rabbi Matisio Solomon, who should be well, and Yibadul Chaim, the Skulena Rebbe of Borough Park, or Bisrael Avram Portugal, who was a very holy Rebbe, and both of them understood that the internet, which was really just it was just gaining popularity. I mean, it was already existent for a while, but it was beginning to really pose a, a threat that was visible at that time. Uh, the smartphones were getting, uh, you know, until then they had flip phones and whatever. It wasn't really such a big deal. Obviously, you had internet on, on your computer. What year is it? Did anyone know when, like, AOL started? That Like, uh, I'd say probably, what? Early 2000s. Early 2000s, right? But it took a while for it to, to really pick up steam. But by the year 2012, it was a, a very big threat already. People with their smartphones and people. And it was, what was the threat? What's the Internet's threat? So there is immoral content. We all know there is no shortage of schmutz. It's very hard to go anywhere online. I don't care what you're looking at. You might be looking at your favorite sports team or you might be looking at, at, at Amazon or YouTube or whatever. It's, it's come out impossible, if we're honest about it, to look at any screen and not have a pop-up ad or, or something on the actual screen itself, which is, which is immoral. Um, foreign influence... A lot of it is not Jewish content, even if there's no pictures on it, but still you're reading about, about things that we really shouldn't be imbibing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, pretzos or whether it's, uh, you know, things that, are, things that are not appropriate for us, philosophy maybe, apicursus, uh, uh, things that are not within, the, uh, within with what we should be uh, reading. Gossip. Dilution of concentration on spiritual matters. Did you ever notice that in the more that you're engaged in the internet, the more you're on your smartphone, the harder it is to, to sit by Seder for a long period of time and to really delve deeply into a Tysis or into a Rambam or listen to Shear without like spacing out constantly and always being diverted uh, our attention by, by everything that we're looking at. So obviously, if we're mature adults and we can re- really be honest about it and stop defending our toys, you know, our toy uh, iPhone, we know that it's not good for us. It's, not, it's, it's very unhealthy for us in so many ways. Maybe the worst thing of it all is how much time we're consuming on it. Uh, you know, the biggest muster is when you get that screen time notification. Uh, maybe I get it Sunday morning. I almost have a heart attack every Sunday morning. Like, 
How is that possible? I don't remember spending X number of minutes, of course, on the, on the internet but, per day. But, um, but it's quite shocking when you see how much of your week is being consumed by this. Even if you're productive, and, and we are productive, a lot of it is productive. You know, I do a lot of work on, on the internet and on, the, on my phone and whatnot. But, but a lot of it is not. Um, and then... Uh, and, and among other, many, many other problems, just an, a general dilution of our Jewish values. Uh, so these two great men recognize that we have a big problem on our hands and that we have to save future generations in any which way. So they made an asifa, a giant gathering, and there was actually, people didn't think they would even, how are you going to fill up 40,000 seats with people against the internet? I mean, most people, you know, Lakewood and, and, and Hasidim, a lot of them don't even have, they don't even know what the internet is, so you're not going to get them, and then, uh, so who are you going to get to come? In the end, they filled up 40,000 seats, and they took over Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is not far from City Field, with another 20,000 men overflow. I think some women were invited to that as well. And we went in yeshiva. I made a connection with one of the people that were arranging the whole thing. And I said to the guy, you know, he was going to give us like nosebleed seats for free. He was giving yeshivas free seats. I said, listen, Lakewood doesn't really need it. Chaim Berlin doesn't really need it. Taiva doesn't need it. We need it. We have internet. You know, in our yeshiva, guys are on, on you know, we, we have college here. You need to have a laptop. You can't get by without it to do your classes. We should be getting VIP seats. We should. Be. And he said. And he said, you know what? You're right. He sent me the best seats in the house. We had. We were in like Ami magazine because we were. We were literally like we had VIP seats. Literally, like you know, these would be like if you went to a city a Met game, you'd probably spend seven hundred dollars to get these seats because you have like the lounge behind you, and you know you can go indoors, you can get a drink or whatever, and. Um, and we were right. We were like straight in front of the dais. Like the dais was in, on uh, you know, in the outfield, on like uh, by the second baseline, I guess, whatever you call that. And and we were like we were behind home plate, so we could we had like a straight view, and uh, it was it was quite an interesting evening. Uh, and they had many speakers. Or Matt Waxman, of course, with his fire, he brought he brought the fire with him, and he was basically speaking about how terrible it is and. They had different ways of, uh, of, of suggesting that people should deal with it. I didn't think that, I, I didn't think the message was, the takeaway message was clear enough. And I, I told it to the guy afterwards that, you know, like everyone walked away a little bit confused. Like if you're, if you're getting 60,000 people, you want to have like a crystal clear message, a takeaway message, whatever. Like tell me what I should do. Does, are you saying I should get rid of it altogether? Am, am I supposed to filter it? Is it allowed? It's allowed for business, one person said, and then the other person said it's not allowed for anything. It was very, it wasn't like really a clear message in my opinion. Other people that I spoke to also felt that way. But in any event, it was just, it was a Kiddush Hashem of a massive proportion, just even though like a lot of newspapers like were making fun of it, like, oh, there's 40, you know, imagine what paper, what tabloids could do with it, 60,000 men, you know, protesting the internet, like, you know, from a guyish advantage point, it's ridiculous, the internet is great, it's like the best invention known to men, what are you protesting, are you going to protest cars next, or like buses, or trains, like what, why, what's so bad about the internet, they don't understand, but we understand, so reflecting upon the massive turnout of the event, Ramatisio was awestruck at how all segments of the Jewish people came together en masse. I guess that means us. 
and yeshiva to seek ways to reclaim holiness. No, I'm joking. There were a lot of there. There was a lot of liquid came, Hasidim came, and then there were a lot of you know more modern Orthodox yeshivas, and and then us somewhere in the middle, I guess. Uh, knowing how uplifted the mashkiach was by Klal Yisrael on that occasion, a devoted student presented him with this photo of the Asifa. This is on page one forty five. Um, which is displayed on the wall of the study. I heard about this. I contacted one of his, his chassim. He sent me like a beautiful, the original of what he printed out for Ramatis Yosam, which is on his wall, like a big picture of it. And it's a picture of the Asifa that night, that beautiful night. And it says on the top, Yisrael Asher B'cha Esbar. It's a pasuk that Yisrael in whom I take, uh, in whom I will be glorified. And then on the bottom was like a, a cutout of, I think it was from the digital screen, Maimid Adir Vinayra, a tremendous gathering, Kinas Klai Yisrael, an assembly of Klai Yisrael, Hatzalas Adiris, with the objective of saving future generations. Like they made it clear that this is to save, what we're trying to do here is to save future generations. And this is a, a beautiful picture, and we'll end with this. I want to show it to you.